Good morning. Welcome to Greystone Church. My name is Adam Wilson. Uh, thank you for that introduction, Jennifer. So happy to be here uh, sharing with you guys this morning. I'd like to welcome our other campuses, uh, our Walton campus, our Oconee campus, those of you watching uh, online. Um, we are continuing or, or finishing our series, Imagine the Possibilities, this study through the book of Luke that we've been doing for some time now. And we find ourselves stuck on a passage where Jesus is talking and sharing a story with his disciples. And the story just so happens to be about money and investing. And I get excited when I get to talk about money and investing because that's what I do on a daily basis. I'm not a pastor. I'm a financial planner uh, and have been for the last 18 years. We help small businesses, families, high net worth individuals and athletes make good, wise financial decisions with their money. That's what I get to do on a daily basis. So today, we're going to take a look at this story that Jesus is telling in the book of Luke, and we're going to pull out three things. And we're going to look at those three things from two different perspectives, two different vantage points. The first is going to be strictly from a, a finance and an investing standpoint. Then we're going to look at those same three things from a spiritual aspect. And I can understand if you guys don't quite share the same excitement as I do when it comes to money in church. But I think if you hang with me at the end, that you'll be able to take something away from this. There's some really good stuff packed into this story. So if you've got your Bibles with you, let's take a look at the story. It will also be up there on the screen. It's Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verse 11, all the way through 27. And I will read that. Uh, for you guys. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because they thought that the kingdom of God was coming and going to appear at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minutes. If you do not know what a minute is, that's okay. I did not know what a minna was Either. And this story actually is, is, is very similar to a story that if you've been in church for a while, you're probably familiar with, the parable of the talents. This is a very similar story, but it's in the gospel of Luke. And what a minute is, is about three months worth of wages. And if we take kind of the average household income in the state of Georgia, it's around $60,000, $65,000, which is about $5,000 a month. So one minnow was equivalent to about $15,000. So you had this master, gave $15,000 to 10 different servants, and he told them this. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him, sent a delegation after him. We don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for his servants, to whom he had given the money, in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one come and said, sir, your minute has earned 10 more. That's a huge return. Well done, good servant, his master replied, because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. Then the second came and said, sir, your minute has earned five more, also a very good return. His master answered, you take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, sir, here is your minute. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. Goodness gracious, this is, this is juicy. His master replied, 
I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put your money on deposit so that when I came back, I would have at least collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his minna away from him and give it to the one who has ten. Sir, they replied, he already has ten. And he replied, I tell you that everyone who has will be given more, but as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. Who would have thought you had all that juicy stuff in the Bible? All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a look. There's some things we could pull out. The first thing we're going to look at, point number one, if you're taking notes here, is you can never escape the risk and reward relationship. There are some things that will always hold true, some foundational principles when it comes to money and investing. And the first one is that, that you can never escape that risk and reward relationship. There's some others. Uh, Supply and demand will always hold true. Buy low, sell high will always hold true. Emotional investing is bad investing will always hold true. And the risk and reward relationship. Now, These things may not always seem prevalent. You may not always recognize or see the risk, but it's always there. When we take risk, we expect to get some type of return. The more risk that we take, we also open ourselves up to potential loss. That's the way investing works. Another way to say this is the higher return that you need, the more risk that you're going to have to take. Well, our clients pay us to try to find that perfect balance. What is the balance with the right amount of risk to get the reward that they need? And that's very difficult to do. In fact, for for different people, it's always going to be different. But we always have to start with a baseline. And in order to determine what the proper amount of risk reward is, we have to start from zero. So I'm going to draw something up here on the board to help kind of make this point. So this is a scale of 0 to 10. 0 is the most conservative investment that we can invest in. Because after all, here's the deal. If we can make a good return without taking any risk, that's what we would do, right? Well, this is considered a risk-free rate of return. We always have to start there. What return can I get for taking zero risk? And in today's environment, that would be equivalent to like a one-year CD. And the one-year CD right now is paying somewhere around 1%. If that 1% is good enough for you to achieve your goals, then you're fine. If you need more than 1% on your money, then you're going to have to take a little bit more risk. And as you go out the, the risk spectrum, you're going to get into things like bonds and real estate and stocks and mutual funds and private equity, hedge funds, all that fun stuff as you continue to go out. But if we look back at the story, we don't know how much risk these guys took, right? The emphasis is on the return that they produced. And that could be a mistake for us If we focus too much on the return, when we do that, we oftentimes get ourselves in a little bit of trouble from a risk standpoint. We end up taking a little bit too much risk. 
So in order to find that perfect balance, you need to understand the following calculation, and this is point number two, all returns are not created equal. In the finance world, we have something that's called a risk-adjusted rate of return. It allows us to compare two investments side by side and decide which one gives us the most bang for our buck. It's a risk-adjusted rate of return because if we take too much risk for the same level of return, that's excessive and it's unnecessary. So I'm going to draw this on the board for you. Hopefully it will make the point a little bit better. Let's say that you have three different investment options. Investment A, B, and C, we're all starting kind of at the same point. And over a 10-year period, each of these investments averaged 10% a year. So right here, they all kind of look identical. The question is, is how did they get to that 10%? Investment A got there this way. Investment B got there this way, and investment C got there this way. You guys confused yet? All right, so investment C, if we said which one of these is the best investment, investment C would be the choice because we got the same amount of return with the least amount of risk. That's the one that we should be in. So if you had invested in investment A or B, you took unnecessary risk. You didn't need to take it. You didn't get compensated for that risk. So we're doing all of this, the risk reward, the risk adjusted rate of return to determine if we should proceed with an investment or not. And that's our third point here. To determine if we should move forward with an investment, we must be able to calculate the ROI. ROI stands for return on investment. And this is big because this doesn't just apply to stocks, bonds, mutual funds. All of you out there that are business owners, uh, if you're considering investing in another person, you're thinking about hiring somebody, you should be able to get an ROI on that person. The investment that you're making in them, in them is your salary and benefits, and the, the return that you're expecting from them is some type of growth to your company. If you're thinking about expanding and purchasing uh, another uh, building, or you're thinking about buying another piece of machinery or a van, whatever it is, you should be able to calculate the return on that investment. And at the end of that analysis, we're looking for a yay or a nay. Does this make sense? Or does it not? Return on investment starts with this. Y plus G equals total return. And a lot of times we focus too much on the G. And I'm going to explain that in, 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 uh, in, in a second. Did you guys know you were signing up for an investment seminar? Huh? They didn't give you that warning. Um, all right, so if you, if you look at this from a stock standpoint... If you invested $100 in a stock and it grew by $20, that's the G, then you had a 20% rate of return. Your $100 turned into $120, that's a 20% rate of return. Well, the Y is cash flow. That's yield. Cash flow could be positive or negative. Hang with me. The, the Y in this scenario with a stock would be like a dividend. 
So if that stock paid a 3% dividend, then the return would have been 3 plus 20 equals 23%. Your, your total return on investment was a 23% rate of return. The why I think we miss sometimes in the investing world, when you think about real estate, a lot of clients come to us and say, hey, Adam, you know, my, my, my mom or grandmother just made a ton of money on her house. She bought the house for $100,000 and she sold it for $300,000 30 years later. I'm like, well, that's great. You know, that's a big G, right? A lot of gain, but the why, the cash flow on owning a home is negative. You guys that are homeowners, you realize this. We pay taxes, we pay insurance, we have repairs, hot water heaters, all the junk. And when you factor in the why, then it turns out to be not such a great investment. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. The point is, is we need to factor in all of these things and make sure we've considered all of the costs before we decide to proceed with an investment. Now, the, investment sem the investing seminar is over, okay? So let's circle the wagons back and figure out what was Jesus trying to tell his disciples? What is he trying to tell us in this story? In this story, we have an investor with three different investments. One of the, or excuse me, two of the investments produced a good return and the investor was pleased. One of the investments produced no return and the investor was frustrated. You're going back to those same three things. What I think Jesus is trying to tell the group that he was talking to and us is he wants us to take risks. I believe Jesus wants us to take risks. That's point number four. How do I know that? Two reasons. One, the master was very clearly pleased with those that produced a return. He praised them verbally and rewarded them monetarily for the return that they produced. And we know you can't produce a return without taking risks. Jesus knew that too. He understood basic economics. And although he's talking and emphasizing return, he knew that we cannot produce a return without taking risks. Now, what is risk? It clearly defined what risk is, is it's the hope in something that is uncertain that it will pan out. That all this analysis, we hope is correct, but it's still an unknown. There's uncertainty, and we hope it works out the way that we've calculated. There's a church word for that. It's faith. Faith is the belief in something that we cannot see. We hope that it works out. And as believers, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we are supposed to be full of faith. Paul tells us in Galatians that we are to be known by the fruits of our spirit. Other people should know that we are followers of Christ, not because we tell them that we're followers of Christ, but because of the way that we live our lives. We're supposed to be full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, fullness. We are supposed to be full of faith. In Hebrews, the writer tells us, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I think that there's this basic element of faith that says, yes, we believe in 
Jesus. We believe he is who he says he is, and he did what he said that he did. But I think the level of, of faith that Jesus is trying to communicate to us today and his disciples then was the risk side of it. You've got to step out and take some spiritual risk. Jesus was trying to prepare his disciples. He was leaving. And he knew the only way that his kingdom was going to continue to grow was if these jokers stepped out and took some risk. And he's saying the same thing to us today. What does that look like? What, what, what is spiritual risk? Well, maybe it's joining a small group. Maybe it's leading a small group. You've been in a small group for years. Maybe it's time to step out, take some risks, and start leading a small group. Maybe you need to share your story like we just saw. Maybe you need to share your story with a neighbor, a colleague. Maybe you need to share your story with your kids. Maybe you need to adopt. Maybe you need to foster. Maybe you just start a Bible study. I don't know what your risk is, but I'm confident that we are supposed to be taking spiritual risk. Now, before you go out and do something completely crazy, point number five, the risk that we take should be smart risk. We talked about that before, risk-adjusted rates of return, unnecessary risk. So what is a smart risk when it comes to taking it spiritually? That means us using our platform, the platform that we have been given, that's where we need to take our risk. All of us have a platform. We have a natural market. Where do you go to school? Who do you play ball with? What teams are you on? Where do you go to church? Where do you eat dinner? We all have a natural market, and we also all have things that God has laid on our heart that kind of pull at us, that make the hair on the back of our neck stand up. That's our natural market, and that's where your risks need to be taken. My wife and I, we moved out to Oconee County in, in Bogart, Georgia, uh, about six and a half, seven years ago. And uh, my son had just got done playing seven-year-old football. And I helped coach the team. I know I use that term loosely. I, was the, uh, I, I charted plays. Uh, so they did not get much input from me on, on game planning. And um, so we moved out there. We signed him up for football. He loved it and wanted to play again. And so we went to the uh, county parks and rec, signed him up. And about two or three weeks later, we hadn't heard anything. And so we were worried that I had botched the registration process and we had missed it. And uh, so I called and I said, hey, we, we, we're new out here. I don't know if I did something wrong, but tried to sign my son up for football and we haven't heard anything from you guys or a coach. And the guy said, well, it's because we don't have a coach. Well, that's a problem. And he said, would you want to be the coach? And so I'm thinking, no, not really. Uh, I didn't, I, I played baseball all, all through high school. I was not a football guy. So I told the guy, let me think about it. I had one very uh, loose year of, of training as being a coach. And so went home, talked to my wife, and she has a lot more confidence in, in me than, than I have in myself. And she said, maybe, maybe you should do this. This is a huge opportunity for us to, to get to know some people, for maybe you to have some influence 
on these kids. You get to be with your son. So I called the guy back and I said, yeah, I'll do it. And fast forward, uh, my son's in ninth grade now, but I coached him all the way through seventh grade. And it was the greatest experience of my life, a huge blessing. And throughout that time period, we prayed before games. We had, um, we had Bible studies. If we were forced to practice on a Wednesday night, you know, we had a Bible study before practice. I was able to, to love and influence these, this group of, of, of 24 kids. What I was afraid of, what was a huge risk for me of being completely exposed to somebody that was really not a football coach, turned out to be a huge blessing. And that was my natural, that's where, that's where my kids were. That's my natural market. I don't care who you are, how old you are, what your spiritual IQ is. Listen, the disciples' spiritual IQ was not high. And I don't say that in a derogatory way. But it wasn't because they were super spiritual that they did the things they did. No, they took the risk that Jesus encouraged them to take and he took care of the rest. They were faithful. We've got to use our platform that God has given us to take a little bit of risk. Point number six, what is the ROI on you? What is the return on investment on you? See, Jesus wants a return on his investment, and he's invested a lot into us. And if we were to run through this analysis, if you were to do some self-reflection and run yourself through this analysis, what would the result be? What is your ROI? Think about it another way. If you were an investor, if you were the investor and you were also one of the investment options, would you invest in you? Would you choose to go all in on yourself and say, I believe this is the best use of my money. Andy Stanley wrote a book called Better Decisions and Fewer Regrets. And the idea of the book is that uh, in order for us to have fewer regrets, we need to make better decisions. That's, that's pretty obvious. But he kind of pitches this idea that for us to have better decisions, we need to ask better questions. So the question that I want to leave you guys with here today, something hopefully you can come back to later today, a week from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, when you hear this story, is what kind of an investment are you? We've got to ask better questions to get to better decisions to lead to fewer regrets. What kind of an investment are you? Are you going to let the fear of uncertainty keep you from stepping out in faith like the, the third servant? Or are you going to be full of faith and be willing to take that risk like the first two? We have a choice, right? We always have a choice. And I don't know about you guys, but I know for me, What I want to hear is well done, good and faithful servant. And that will take us being uncomfortable 
fighting through the uncertainty and the fear of the unknown, trusting that God has a plan for us. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for loving us. God, you are a king. You are a Lord. You are a savior, God, and our hope is in you. God, I pray that you would give us clarity on the risk that we should take. God, help us to see the natural platform that you've given us. God, and give us the courage to take the risk. God, the confidence in who you are and the trust, God, that you will do what you say that you will do. God, it's my prayer that everybody in this room, that we walk out of here and we're able to be honest with ourselves on where we are and where you want us to be. God, help us bridge that gap and to take that risk for your kingdom. In your name we pray, amen.